And welcome to the Friday version of the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger. And we are at December 15th already. Isn't that amazing? We've finished Hebrews. We're in James today. We're going to look at the whole book. It's James 1 through 5. I love this book. This is loaded with reality. And it's all about walking in the faith and how you got to exercise your faith and you you know, faith, just saying I have faith isn't enough. We have to have good deeds to go along with our faith and really exercise things that show that we are living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. So the great thing about this book is if you ever get in situations and you're not sure the direction you need to go, come to James. There's all kinds of great reminders in here about how to live day-to-day life. And we're going to get right into it right away in the first chapter because James reminds us right off the bat that your when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And if you need wisdom... Just ask God for it, and he'll give it to you. He doesn't rebuke us for asking, asking, but when you ask, be sure your faith is strong because when we ask for wisdom, you know, that's kind of like asking for patience, you know. Be ready for the result, because things could be uh, uncovered in your wisdom that you never wanted to know or that you didn't realize before. And you're going to be awakened, maybe. And you're going to be, oh, really? And if you're living by faith in Jesus above, that could open your eyes to where you need to be in that walk, right? Because James says, don't waver as a person with divided loyalty in your faith. Because that's like an unsettled wave in the sea blowing around, tossed back and forth. Because if we waver, we shouldn't expect anything from God. A loyalty divided between God and the world is unstable in everything it does. And when we are a friend of the world, we're not a friend of God. So we really got to stay strong in what we ask for. God blesses those who patiently endure their testing and temptation. But remember this, and James writes this, remember when you're being tempted, don't say God is tempting me because God doesn't tempt. God is never tempting anyone. He never does that. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entices us and drag us down. 
These desires are what give birth to sinful actions when they're allowed to grow in us because we can't rebuke them. So don't be misled by that. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming to us from God who created all the lights in heaven. So don't don't give way to temptation and know that no temptation comes from God. So here's another super good word of advice that he gives us. Dear brothers, this is James 1, verse 19. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. This is highlighted in a different color. In my Bible, I would highlight this. I would print this. I would make it bold. I would put this somewhere where it's always there. Because, and I'm working with somebody that I'm trying to teach this. We have to exercise this, especially if we're walking in the faith. Listen more. Speak less. That way we get angry less. The Bible says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Oh, really? Correct. So, he James expands on that and says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and ex- humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For that has the power to save souls. So think about that. If we're flying off the cuff because we're quick, responsive, we're quick in our reactions, and we don't give time to process or think about things, that turns people away. But if we're humble and think about things and do what God says, which is to love each other, Remember, I've spent a lot of time on that. Love like Jesus loves. I said that. That was uh, my whole thing on uh, last Sunday at Homestead Church. And you can find that at Homestead Church or Compassion Church. That's love like Jesus loves. That's unconditionally. That has the power to save souls. Mm, That's cool. So don't just listen to God's word. We got to do what it says. Otherwise, we're just fooling ourselves. And so then he says, because if you're claiming to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. And the key word in that is religion, because if we're doing all that, then all we're doing is being religious we don't have a true relationship with christ because if we did we would not be doing that stuff so and he's going to expand on the whole tongue thing in chapter three chapter two he goes into not favoring people and i i love this because we see that in the church so much we see that within leadership of the church. We see that with people that are claiming to be pastors in the church, you know? And and we see that, like, our church has gone through a lot of that with people that 
we're supposedly there to help us, right? So if you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ and you favor some people, you can't do that. It says that in verse 1. How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? And so he goes into this big dissertation about people dress this way versus that way, and you favor these people over those people. But he says, if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin, period. For the person who keeps all the laws, this is highlighted in different color in my Bible too, because we get to where we think we're holy because we keep, you know, we don't commit adultery, we don't steal, we don't, uh, you know, we don't take the Lord's name in vain. We start looking at some of the Ten Commandments and we start saying how we follow them, right? Well, here's... in. Chapter 2, verse 10, the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's law. And it goes on and says, you, there's no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. So what good is your faith if you don't show it by your actions? Your faith isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. So if we say we have this strong faith, we say we have all this love for Jesus, but we have produced division in the church because we look at people, we judge people, we've caused this... Uh, prejudice in the church because some people don't do it our way and others do it our way and we look at a brother or sister because they may dress different may they may not have the clothes that we expect them to have when they do things they may do communion different they may sing different they may lead different they may so we cause this division. We are no better, and our actions don't speak to what the Lord is telling us in love your neighbor as yourself. That's the royal law. That's what James says in this chapter. So that's why he says, you can have obeyed them all. You not commit adultery, not steal, not murder. You can do all the laws. But if you're not obeying the royal law, loving people just as they are, and not having a prejudice or a division and not causing division, remember in Proverbs it says it's an abomination for someone who caused, it's an abomination to the Lord to someone who causes division or dissension in the church. So if you're that person that is doing all the, I, I follow God's law, I'm a good Christian, but you got dissension or division or prejudice or 
anger, let's just put it that way, because someone isn't doing it your way, then that's not being obedient to the Lord. And that's just as sinful as if we had broken all the other sins. And that's, you know, what James is saying there in James 2 verse 10. So he says, if you say you have faith and you believe that there is one God, that's great. But even the, the, the demons believe that. So how foolish is that? Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So what's our good deeds? Our good deeds is following everything, exercising that even when it's not perfect, you're going to love them anyway. Even, you know, and I'm working with a guy right now, that he, you know, in his idea of when he sees imperfection is to grill people on their imperfection. And I'm like, they don't need grilled on their imperfection. They know they've made a mistake. What they need is encouraged that we see that they're doing good, trying to get better, working through their mistake, which we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What we need is encouragement and working through, getting past that moment when we can no longer sin. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do and not by faith alone. So what are we doing? Are we crucifying people or are we loving them into the kingdom and helping them get stronger like Jesus does? Ooh. And James speaks that really good because then in chapter three, he says the part that kills us is our tongue. And he says, not everybody should want to be teachers because we, those who want to teach will be judged more strictly. And that's not just by God. The people that teach are going to be judged more strictly by those that are watching you teach. And man, that is so true because the, the people that are leading, they're going to be looked at and they're going to be criticized. They're going to be judged more harshly by those of their peers by those that are following them, by those that look at them, because the worst thing is by their peers, because the peers are going to, you know, we're doing Advent right now it, to some degree, let's just say that. And there's two forms of Advent. I mean, there's two ways to do the series. It can be hope, uh, hope, love, joy, peace, and then because we have curriculum that way that comes straight from our denomination, and then there's hope, peace, joy, love. And neither one is wrong, but there are people so set in their way that if you do the hope, love, joy, peace method, they get in your craw about it. And they're, they're like all over you. And it's not the people that you're leading, it's the teachers of the people it's the peers it's the religious leaders telling you how wrong you are because you're not doing it the right way but yet you got the curriculum outlines that come straight from your denominational leaders that say do it this way you know so the other day when i was doing my part on joy, I, I held it up and said, hey, look, this comes straight from, 
our denominations. So for all the people out there that are going to judge me, this is what I'm going off of. So stand down. I'm covered by them. And that's sad because I shouldn't have to do that. I should be. It should be accepted it, because those things don't matter. What matters is how are we standing with Jesus, and that's what James is saying. And, and he says, the hardest thing to tame is the tongue. Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is like a flame of fire, and in a, in a world of wickedness corrupting your entire body, it can set a whole life on fire. For it is it, it itself can be fire by itself and bring hell on itself. Think about that. The words that come from your mouth. And I, I have a friend, uh, Dr. Rob McCorkle, just wrote a book called Life and Death, The Power of Words. And it's all based on that. And he takes a good look at how we talk, and it'll change the way you speak. I mean, it really will, because he really accentuates much out of this chapter and throughout the whole Bible about how are you talking? Do your words lift people up? Do your words bring edifying? Are they edifying? And help people, or are they tearing people down and bringing death to them? Because James says, no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. No one, that means no one person. Here's the truth. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. So blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. This isn't right. He says, surely, my brothers and sisters, this isn't right. Because <laughs> can a spring bubble out fresh water and bitter water both? No. So somewhere in there, we got to turn ourselves completely over to the Holy Spirit and let him lead and guide our words. You know, and so here's a, here's a story, and this is in my other podcast, The Reckoning. I talk with my son about this because my son totally wrecked me one day and I needed it. And it's on this particular part of the tongue. And we got into it about something and I was yelling. I was yelling. I don't even remember what it was about, but I know I was yelling. I was angry. I was, you know, yelling First something, I don't know, I, I don't even remember, but here's here's the three words he said, because I was, I mean, I was yelling, I got a coach's voice, <laughs> and I was probably close to it. And in my rage, which was in this room, which used to be his room, is now my office and studio, it was a Saturday night. You know, the veins were probably popping on my face and head. And, and my son goes, and you're going to preach tomorrow? And that broke me and forever changed my life. I went out of the room and I... 
heard those words, they pierced my very heart and soul. And I started thinking about the way I had been speaking. You know, we just looked at James 2, how we have to love people, and they were divisive. They were flames of fire coming out. You know, I'm, one minute I'm praising the Lord, and the next minute I'm not. Blessings and cursings. I mean, I wasn't cussing or anything, but I wasn't being... I wasn't being loving. And when he said, and you're going to preach tomorrow? I mean, he said it in a calm voice like that, too, because he was calm. I wasn't. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. What am I doing? This is not the image of Christ that I'm supposed to be. And I broke, man. And I I repented to the Lord right then and I came back in his room and I told him I mean my son I'm 62 my son is like 65 <laughs> and I went and I grabbed him and I hugged him and I said I am so sorry you're right and I'm wrong and I am sorry this happened I've Sorry the way I carried myself. You're so right. I can't preach like this. I can't I don't even know if I could. I know I'm supposed to, but unless I repent and repent to you and repent to the Lord, I, I can't do this. I was so wrong and can you forgive me? And of course he forgave me. But I've never forgotten that day. And just the other day you know, I was telling them about a, an incident that I'm going through with this person that I'm trying to help and how he flies off the cuff a lot. And I said, I brought up that story and I said, that forever changed me and I'm glad. And I started kind of crying about it. And he said, it's okay, Dad. And I said, well, it's okay now, but it wasn't then. And I'm super glad that God put that in you to say that because that has forever changed me and I will never be the same. And that's what I needed to hear. And I really believe the Lord was speaking through you that day because the Lord's like, you can't represent like that. So somewhere, you know, some of us have had those angry outbursts and that's totally against God's word. We have got to stop representing Jesus like that where blessings and cursings come out of our mind. It doesn't mean cursing like cussing. It means where we're praising God one minute and then we're having an angry outburst the next minute and we don't represent Jesus with the love of Christ. He said in chapter two, we got to, the royal law is love each other. And if we're not representing love the way love is supposed to be, then we're not representing Christ, which goes back to James 2.10. If we obey all the laws except one, then we're still guilty of sin. And I was sinning right then. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, and there it's that was happening. And I'm I the Lord used my son, spoke through my son, and said, You can't do that. 
repent. And I had to repent right then and there. And then, boom, Dr. Rob McCorkle writes a book. Words, you know, life and death, the power of words. So we have to watch how we speak. And James, you know, I've got this whole thing in James bookmarked in my Bible because I need to be always remembering this has to be. And so, you know, I believe that was a day of deliverance for me because James goes on and says, if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. And I've always told people if there's a difference between confidence and cocky, we can be confident in what we do just by living it. In our actions, reactions, and interactions, we can be confident, and it'll show because we do it well. But cocky has to speak it because we're not confident. So we have to tell ourselves in the world, hey, look at how great I am, and I'm dealing with that with somebody. The person knows more than anybody but doesn't know much, and so they're constantly telling everybody how great they are. And so this is what Paul is writing about in this. If your heart is full of jealousy and selfish ambition, don't cover it up with boasting and lying. Jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. We don't need that. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Woo, that's hard. For whether, wherever there is jealousy, listen to this. This is real. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. That's truth. We've been in some churches where you find this disorder and just this evil environment. That doesn't mean necessarily demonic, but evil disorder is there and it's because there's all this jealous dissension and selfish entitlement going on and that's not of the lord and paul or not paul james writes with but the wisdom from above is first of all pure okay so god's love god's wisdom is pure. So it's not going to carry none of that. It's also peace loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. So if we're really living the way God wants us to live, those are the characteristics we should see in our everyday life. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. That chapter three is huge. And I think we got to put that in a bookmark somewhere and have it. So it's good, 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 good stuff. All right. We can't be jealous. Chapter four goes on with uh, can't be jealous of others. We can't do that. That just causes quarrels and fights and uh, it just doesn't work. We can't do that. 
we to get what we want we we wage war on each other we get jealous we fight and that's just more of the enemy trying to work amongst us and cause division and it, this is a really mistaken i mean this is where you have not because you ask not in uh, James 4 verse 2 but the real thing is you have not because you ask not and then even when you ask you don't ask with the wrong intent with the right intentions we ask because we want our own selfish desires and <clears throat> the lord is willing to give us what we need but we got to ask with the right intentions and that is his his uh his will always takes care of us his grace is sufficient so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. That's the biggest thing. If we can come close to God, he'll come close to us. Purify your hearts and don't have a divided loyalty because we can't be friends of the world if we're friends think we're friends with god humble ourselves before the lord and he will lift us up in honor that's good stuff and then what i really like james 4 10 says remember it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it so if we know we got to make this thing right, if we know we got to repent, you know, if I knew I needed to go apologize to my son and ask for forgiveness and repent to my son and I didn't do it, that sin would have lingered and who knows how much it would have festered. Because when we criticize and judge each other, we're criticizing and judging God's law because we're breaking it. So we got to do what's right and do what's right for each other. Because he said, if you're merciful to each other, then he'll be merciful to us. And Jesus said, if we're forgiving to each other, then the Father in heaven will be forgiving to us. So don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And we always see Jesus standing at the door, you know, in, which is in Revelations 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and anyone who lets me in, I'll enter in and have dinner with him. But he's standing at the door watching everything we do to judge it. Do I even want to go in that door? <laughs> you know? Because there's no handle on his side. So if you're suffering hardships, you should pray. If you're happy, sing praises. If you're sick, call on people to pray with you, have them anoint and lay hands on you. Because a prayer offered in faith to, will heal the, to heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. If you have committed sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. Repent. Just put it out there and let people pray over you. You know, that's why we have altars at the church. You don't have to, like, openly say, well, I did this. But when you go and ask for prayer, you're repenting, and we can pray with you. 
And that doesn't always mean just because you go to an altar of prayer, you're repenting. That could be other things, too. You could be going there to pray over something. It's saying, let us pray with you. And let's pray as a people. The earnest prayer of righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Why is that? Because Elijah was a human just as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly for no rain, that it wouldn't fall, it didn't. And then all of a sudden, when he prayed again, the sky let down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. So for three and a half years, they didn't have rain. Then when he prayed again, it rained and the crops came. And he's just a man. So if you need prayer and we all pray together, think of what can happen if we pray corporately. But even besides that, have your own prayer time and make sure we're talking to God so we can live this wonderful life he has for us. And then if we see someone, here's a promise. If we see someone that's that's wandered a little bit into sin and we bring them back gently, think about how great that will be. And that's how James closes it. Always be looking out for each other. And if you see someone wandering Help them find their way back because that is what we do for each other. We look out for each other. We're merciful to each other. And we obey the royal law. Love each other. And what Jesus said, as I have loved you. Such a great book today. I hope... You guys can read this, mark it all up because it's full of day-to-day living advice. And remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and still not do it. If we got things we need to do, if we got things we need to clear up, then let's go clear them up. And then tell us about it on our daily walk page. Say, man, I made this made such a difference in my life. I'm so thankful. Such a good book from James. Have a great Friday. We'll see you tomorrow when we look at First Peter because he's going to tell us about endurance as well. So- oh, I trust in God, my Savior.